From Georgia Public Broadcasting, this is On Second Thought. I'm Virginia Prescott. Last week, the FDA disclosed a criminal probe into e-cigarettes as the number of vaping-related illnesses climbed. The enforcement action dovetails with an ongoing CDC investigation into vaping-related illnesses in the U.S. 530 people with a history of vaping have been diagnosed with mysterious lung injuries. Eight people have died. Five of those cases are in Georgia, with another 10 being investigated here. Well, some states have proposed banning sales of nicotine oils and devices for minors, leading users to stockpile oils as they face what is being called the vape vape ocalypse. Michael Erickson is the dean of the College of Public Health at Georgia State University, former director of the Office on Smoking and Health at the CDC. Michael, great to have you back with us. Thank you, Virginia. Now, we haven't heard about a cluster of illnesses and deaths until recently. What caused the sudden increase of deaths? Well, uh, first of all, it's important to know there's an ongoing investigation, and the latest guidance from CDC is that there's no common um, explanation for the outbreak. But it appears that uh, a majority of cases have used THC, uh, the active ingredient in marijuana, uh, and that there may be a large explanation from illicit products bought on the street, black market products, um, and not knowing really what's in what you're vaping, and that's caused a lot of the problem. But it has through all of this, we have to remember it's an ongoing investigation. Right. And now a criminal probe with the FDA. So you mentioned THC. Do we have any idea of how many of these with vaping related illnesses were THC users or nicotine? Uh, that's what complicates the investigation is that a, a fair number of the cases have been doing both. So it's difficult to sort out um, the effect that may have come from vaping THC versus vaping nicotine because a lot of the um, users uh, were poly vapors, we would call them. You have a background in studying tobacco, and you have testified in huge tobacco cases, the huge tobacco settlement in the 1990s. How do e-cigs compare with traditional cigarette-related deaths? Well, only a fraction, a very small fraction, and that what makes this situation so complex uh, you know, 480,000 Americans die each year from smoking traditional combustible cigarettes. And now we have an outbreak of seven deaths, seven or eight deaths that are associated with vaping, with part of it uh, likely being from uh, black market illicit products and THC. So there really is no comparison because, between the toll caused by smoking and the current outbreak. And at the same time, an outbreak is an outbreak, and with hundreds of illnesses and handful of deaths is of great concern. Right. Earlier this month, the Trump administration did propose a ban on flavored e-cigarettes and oils. Uh, Michigan and New York already made moves to ban e-cigarettes altogether. Other states and school districts ban it for minors. Any movement here in Georgia? Not that I've heard of yet. I think uh, there, there's a myriad of actions going on both in the United States and globally that include banning flavors, but also banning e-cigarettes entirely. I understand that over the weekend, uh, India uh, decided to ban e-cigarettes entirely uh, in the country. Uh, in this country, we're not looking at that. We're looking at banning flavors, and even that is both controversial and could have some unintended consequences. Like what? My biggest fear is that if all flavors are banned in e-cigarettes, that 
uh, you still can get flavors in combustible cigarettes, particularly menthol. And um, my fear is is that if you ban flavors in e-cigarettes, those people who really desire flavors will migrate back to smoking, uh, particularly menthol cigarettes. So my recommendation is to, in any consideration of a ban on uh, flavors that it covers both these cigarettes and combustible, combustible cigarettes. cigarettes. Now, didn't the Obama administration ban flavored cigarettes early in the, its administration? Did that have much effect? Uh, yes. Uh, banning flavors has contributed to the decline we have seen in uh, adult and teen smoking in the United States over the last few years. But it's important to note that when flavors were banned in cigarettes in the United States. It did not include menthol, and it also did not include little cigars, which have a myriad of flavors currently, and the use of them has increased during this time. So we have seen this phenomenon of stockpiling, uh, especially in Michigan and New York, where the bans have been proposed. Dozens of people have been sharing photos on Reddit. There's a vaping forum there uh, of their hall, including one Georgian posting as Kevin is cool, you know, showing many, many milliliters of vaping oils. Is banning flavored e-cigarette oils an effective tactic? Well, it uh, remains to be seen. Uh, the, again, one of the unintended consequences is, is that um, people who are intent on um, vaping and vaping flavored will will secure uh, flavors through the Internet or through other means and then engage in their own mixtures, which uh, represents some concern because you have to be very careful about uh, liquid nicotine and dosage and flavors and dosage. And when people do do it yourself in the back of their house or in their basement, that introduces a whole nother level of uh, concern. Because it's the oil itself that is getting trapped in the lungs, from what I understand. Yes. I mean, there's a number of issues. I mean, nicotine itself is uh, toxic. It's used as a rat poison. Uh, and the concentration matters a lot. And so if people buy quantities of liquid nicotine, that's of concern. Then they need to mix it with a solvent to um, allow it to be vaporized. The concern now is that the solvent that's being used, which is an oil, um, is terrible for the lungs because oils, once they're aerosolized, will congeal uh, in the lungs and cause serious problems. How about the level of nicotine? The, the, you know, of course, combustible, traditional combustible cigarettes, highly, highly uh, addictive. How about the nicotine in these kind of oils? Any difference? Well, what we've seen, as, as you mentioned, um, the nicotine in cigarettes is the ideal delivery mechanism to get nicotine in the bloodstream and to the brain as quickly as possible. And efforts over the years to deliver nicotine quickly have not succeeded until Juul came along. And Juul, with their fancy device, they use nicotine salts as opposed to a, a liquid. And that's been uh, as effective as smoking and delivering high doses of nicotine. We're going to continue this conversation with Michael Erickson, Dean of the College of Public Health at Georgia State University. We'll be back after uh, we check in with our fun drive because, you know, on second thought, 
this is this is what we do here. It's listener-supported GPB. That means your support right now really does make a big difference in our ability to provide smart and relevant programs on the air for you and your community every day, and online as well. I'm Virginia Prescott, reminding you that our Fall Fun Drive is underway. If we haven't heard from you yet, make this the time you join us for the first time. You continue your support or become a GPB sustainer with a monthly contribution. Go to gpb.org or call us at one 800 222 4788. And thanks. I'm Tom Barclay, and I want to thank you for listening. And most importantly, thank you for doing your part to keep on Second Thought coming to you on GPB. We are now in the final days of our fall fun drive. And as we head toward the finish line, it takes all of us together, including you, to keep public radio in Georgia strong. So whether you're listening in Atlanta or Valdosta or Brunswick or St. Simons Island or Augusta, wherever you are this morning, we are waiting to hear from you. Please be the next listener who joins our public radio community. You can do that by going to gpb.org and clicking donate or calling 800-222-4788. Here with me this morning is Becca Hogue. Good morning, Tom, and good morning, listeners. Be one of the next 11 listeners that we hear from by 9.30 this morning to help us stay on track during this Monday's edition of On Second Thought. And uh, when you do, call at 800-222-4788, or you can go to gpb.org to do your part. As a GPB listener, you expect to hear smart conversations about important issues every time you turn on the radio. Radio. We bring you facts and analysis, not partisanship or hype, so you can form your own opinions about what's happening here in Georgia and around the world. Don't take coverage like this for granted. It's here for you thanks to the generous financial support of our listeners. You know, Virginia Prescott and her team of producers work hard to bring you this conversation every single day, and it wouldn't exist without the support from our listeners. So you can support that program, programming, um, not only on Second Thought, but all the programs that you love and rely on right now by calling 800-222-4788 or donate online at gpb.org. We're hearing about nicotine and vaping this morning and the controversy and the health issues that are involved. And uh, some people don't find out about these things unless we bring them to you. And that is why we're glad you're tuned into On Second Thought this morning. And... Today, when we hear from you at gpb.org or 800-222-4788, we've got a drawing that you will be involved in because today is Smart Speaker Day and we're giving away Amazon Echo Smart Speakers all day. In fact, the first drawing is coming up at the end of this hour. So if you have not yet uh, made your gift of support, this is the perfect time to do that and you could win the Amazon Echo Series 2 second generation uh, hands-free speaker that uh, gives you the chance to find out the weather, find out the traffic. You can use it as a timer. It can read books to you. you can, it'll play music. It does so many things. It's like, where was my life before this came into it? I've got one I love. In fact, I have several. And a lot of people like to have them in every room of the house. You, If you already have one, you'll know you want an additional one. If you don't have one yet, it's a great gift for you. Somebody's going to win it when we hear from you right now at gpb.org or 800-222-4788. 
The odds are really good right now, like Tom said, so don't miss out on that opportunity. It doesn't take much to be an everyday hero, just a random act of kindness or supporting a cause you believe in. It takes everyday heroes like you to keep GPB going strong. That's what our fall fund drive is all about. And that's why we're counting on you to come to the rescue with a donation of whatever level is right for you. Having GPB on the air ensures that you and everyone who listens has access to reliable, national, worldwide, and statewide news and information and ideas that challenge us and broaden our perspectives. GPB depends on loyal supporters like you. So be an everyday hero now. You can donate online at gpb.org or call 800-222-4788 and get in before that 10 a.m. drawing for our first smart speaker of the day. The amount you give isn't what matters. It's your participation that matters. We do have thank you gifts available to you. And if you can become a GPB monthly sustainer at the $22 a month level, we have the Everyday Hero sweatshirt as a thank you gift. With the cooler temperatures we've been having in the mornings the last few days. This is perfect for you. Fall officially started today. This super comfortable white cotton blend sweatshirt has Everyday Hero embroidered in blue across the front, the GPB logo on the back, and this high-quality sweatshirt is warm enough to keep you cozy when the weather turns chilly and light enough for layering, and it's only available from GPB in sizes small to double XL. That's at $22 per month as a GPB sustainer. Go to gpb.org and, and click Donate or call 800-222-4788. And thank you for your support. Support for 88.5 GPB Atlanta comes from you, our listeners. And Peachtree Orthopedics, helping Atlanta heal for over 65 years with specialists for every body part, from regenerative medicine to outpatient joint and spine surgery. Their goal is to help people feel better faster. PeachtreeOrthopedics.com. And Georgia Public Library Service, a unit of the University System of Georgia, reminding Georgians that it's Library Card Sign-Up Month. The library can help teach job skills a new language or just help find a great book. GeorgiaLibraries.org. We're back with On Second Thought from GPB. I'm Virginia Prescott with Michael Erickson, Dean of the College of Public Health at Georgia State University. He played an instrumental role in shutting down the Joe Camel ad campaign and in the landmark big tobacco lawsuit back in the 1990s. And we're talking about his research on tobacco and e-cigarettes. This is in light of what the FDA has announced as a criminal probe on the heels of eight deaths and an outbreak of vaping-related illnesses. So, Michael, just to ask about the federal government role, are e-cigarettes regulated in the same way as regular or traditional combustible cigarettes? That's a great question. Um, Unfortunately, um, traditional cigarettes are not particularly well regulated either. E-cigarettes are worse. FDA has the authority uh, granted by uh, Congress and and the law that passed to regulate e-cigarettes, and they are now very aggressively looking at what their options are. They've used something called enforcement discretion in the past, which means they don't have to enforce the law. They have the discretion not to do that. And now, um, because of that, they're taking it very seriously. 
Well, e-cigarettes have were initially marketed. We've spoken about this before, you and I, as tools to help people quit smoking. And public uh, health advocates now fear that they're getting a new generation hooked. Middle and high schoolers, you know, sewing jewels, these little devices, into their pockets or hems. An Alabama school removed doors from its school bathroom because so many kids are going into the bathroom to vape. Read something, uh, reports this weekend, everybody does it, says a kid in a middle school in Georgia. How consistent are these stats with those of traditional traditional cigarettes from the 20th century? Well, uh, when I was at CDC in the 90s, um, we had the same problem with traditional cigarettes. About a third of high school students smoked uh, combustible cigarettes. And that was of great concern, and, and those rates have plummeted over the last few decades. Now we're seeing the same uh, phenomenon with teens and e-cigarettes, with almost 30% of uh, high school students uh, having vaped and using uh, products like Juul. So it really has exploded and is of great concern, uh, and no one knows what will happen because of the power of nicotine delivery contained in uh, Juul products. Well, you mentioned that earlier, that nicotine salts are used in this. Is that because the delivery system is faster, it gets to your bloodstream faster, is it more difficult to withdraw or quit a Juul? Uh, The science yet needs to be done because it's such a new phenomenon, but uh, because of the nicotine impact, the mimicking of smoking in terms of nicotine delivery, uh, we are already seeing teens having a difficult time stopping Juul even when they want to. And that's the same phenomenon we saw uh, in the 90s with uh, Joe Camel-induced smoking among young people. Georgia lawmakers have introduced a bill to raise the legal age to buy tobacco products to 21. Smyrna has already made the move. Law goes into effect at the beginning of next year. The company behind Juul is now valued at $38 billion. Are laws like those projected going to affect sales? Uh, raising the age to 21 uh, it really is a no-brainer and uh, should be done nationally quickly. And that will help, but it won't solve the problem. Juul's in a real uh, problem. Their, their whole business model is at risk because of their initial naivete of marketing to young people that is going to jeopardize the entire product. The criminal investigation that you mentioned was the FDA requiring Juul to release marketing documents that they haven't done yet. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, uh, I'm I'm concerned where Juul intended, at least uh, uh, in theory, to be a product for smokers, um, the wrong group is using the product uh, extensively. I'm wondering about the prospect of whether those laws will pass, those kind of regulations in in a state like Georgia, for example, you know, South traditional smoking state and also, uh, you know, uh, up to the will of the person what they want to do. Well, with tobacco control issues, that's definitely the case. Uh, Tobacco tax is a good example in Georgia. It has one of the, it's the third lowest in the country because the the view it is a tobacco state, tobacco is a cultural phenomenon, I'm concerned about farmers. Things have changed today, uh, not just in Georgia, but around the country. Um, the president and the first lady in the Oval Office called for a ban on flavors. I think that's taken away some of the political resistance to being aggressive on this issue.
Earlier this year, the FDA did authorize a new type of device that we could see soon. It is called ICOS. I-Q-O-S, am I saying that properly? It was created by Philip Morris, and Atlanta will apparently become the new test market for this product. How is that different from Juul? Yes, ICOS is a product developed by Philip Morris International. It's being currently sold in 30 countries, at least 30 countries around the world. And in some of the countries, particularly in Japan and Korea, it's uh, taken a large market share. The difference between ICOS and the products we've been talking about, uh, it doesn't use nicotine oils or um, nicotine salts. It actually uses tobacco, and it heats tobacco and provides the aroma and taste of tobacco that these other products don't. And these ICOS is called heat, not burn, to differentiate it from combustible cigarettes Because it heats the tobacco, the toxins that are associated with combustion are lower in this product. And as you say, it will be rolled out in a test market in Atlanta, ironically. So if it were up to you, Michael Erickson, what would you do? Would you let ICOS be tested? Yes. I was in favor of the test marketing of ICOS. Uh, and the FDA's decision to allow that to happen. They provided extensive data to the FDA. The FDA investigated it uh, in terms of um, uh, the potential benefit from it. And uh, the company is required to provide data uh, about who uses the product and its impact. It has to demonstrate a public health benefit, which means that kids don't start and adult smokers quit. And um, uh, a test, a limited test market, should provide some information to answer that question. Well, to be, to be, more will be revealed. Thank you so much for your time, Michael Erickson. My pleasure. Thank you, Virginia. Michael is dean of the College of Public Health at Georgia State University.